Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. True Hauntings is a frightfully good production. There are some cases that we come across that are really hard to classify and even harder to believe. In many European countries, tales of werewolves and vampires are part of lore and legend. But you don't expect to hear of that sort of thing happening in the heartland of England. Yet, there is one such story of a mild-mannered man who would find himself overcome by a force so strong that he could not control his rage and his outbursts. He would go on the attack, bite and growl at people just like some wild animal. William Ramsey from Southend in the United Kingdom found himself the victim of the strangest of episodes, literally turning from a normal person into what can only be described as some sort of wild beast incapable of remembering anything about it. This would happen time and time again until Ed and Lorraine Warren heard of the incidents through the newspapers and decided to help him. Was he possessed by some evil entity? Was it a mental illness? Or was he turning into a werewolf? Those who witnessed these episodes will tell you of their horror and swear that what they saw was 100% true. Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this episode, we explore what is known about the South End werewolf. And we will look into the exorcism performed by the Warrens. Did it work? And did Billy finally find peace? Or is he waiting to strike again? Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings.
Welcome back. And finally, I can say welcome back. You are in the studio. Yes, this is a true welcome back. Yep. <laughs> After your holiday. Oh, holiday of dreams. Oh, was. yes. Because yes. uh, my gorgeous husband, we arrived home and he's got COVID. Yeah. But I think we all sort of all knew that was going to happen. Uh, I'm still testing negative, which I'm really grateful for. <laughs> I don't know why, but maybe it's my four immunization shots and um, battling it off from you last time you had it. And mm-hmm. uh it's the equivalent of five shots, so there hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, I stay healthy. Yes, because we do not have time we for you to be time. sick. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, promise I won't. And other than that, what's been happening, Anne? Oh, uh, hit the ground running. I literally <laughs> got off the train on Thursday and headed straight into the office and started working frantically. Mm. And um, an, uh, hour, an hour after you arrived, you were heading to the post office with um, parcels that you had to deliver. Yeah. <laughs> and heading over to see my dad, who burst into tears when he saw me. Bless his little heart. He did miss me. Oh, it's nice to be missed by somebody. Mm. Uh, yeah, and then we had tours all weekend. You kept me busy there mm-hmm. and yep. we're at the residence for friday and saturday night that yes. was fun wasn't it good it sure was that's right i can't nod this is audio yes. <laughs> yes so we had um instances of footsteps going up and down the staircase and it was so loud and this was when everyone was in the same room we all literally stopped and said did you hear that yeah and it, it was still going we, all, we said can you all hear that and they're all going yes <laughs> yes yeah so footsteps running up and down the staircase uh we had noises like furniture being moved yeah um and i had an arm thrown at me you did yeah <laughs> i think it fell out of the cupboard but that's okay <laughs> I bruised my back. I want workers' compensation on that one. Oh, dear. Line up. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got another crazy week, but it's now um, 12 weeks. I've got a bit of chewing in my mouth. I really should have got rid of that. Um, uh, it's 12 weeks till we head to England. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, 12 weeks tomorrow, I think it is. Oh. Actually, yeah. It's anniversary. Happy anniversary. And we still have to plan about 80% of the trip. Mm. But it's we've got bits and pieces to stay and come together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we're going back to somewhere where we, we are. really love. Tell everyone about it, Renata. So we're going back to Sheffield. And Sheffield was where we spotted this fabulous place through an advertisement that was given to us by one of our beautiful followers. And she said, why don't you come here? And it was a um, bed and breakfast, no, an Airbnb that was uh, connected to a cemetery. Yeah, the Sexton's Lodge. The Sexton's Lodge at Sheffield, Sheffield Cemetery. Sheffield Cemetery. So, oh, I wonder if the catacombs have been fixed by now. <gasps> so Sheffield Cemetery is amazing, amazing. And the thing is that it is a public thoroughfare, so it is open 24 hours a day. And we are at its doorstep. And the accommodation there is simply beautiful. It's very and posh. And it it's a walk to a whole lot of restaurants, food courts, uh, shops. Name the important one. Mark, Mark and Spencer's. Thank you. <laughs> Which has got an, a whole aisle of pre-prepared desserts. And, That's and, all I can say. Gourmet food. 
and soda bread and Irish butter. <laughs> so um, we're looking forward to spending two nights there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and going on the hunt to see if we can relocate the ghost of the little girl that was picked up on a live that we did from the cemetery one night while we were there. Mm-hmm. And someone actually spotted uh, an apparition um, that was recorded on the live. She peeked out from behind a tree or what looked what looked like um, an apparition peeking out from behind a tree and then going back. We didn't we didn't know anything about no, it until it. it was uh, shown to us. And my goodness, it's good. It, it's really good. So we want to retrace our steps through that cemetery to find that place so we can say in our head once and for all whether that is truly an apparition that we've caught mm-hmm. or whether there has been some sort of green light that was bouncing off from behind the headstone. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. But I'm actually going to uh, I'm going to attempt to cut that out of the – which means, oh, boy, I have to download that whole YouTube uh um, live and then cut out that little bit and insert it into Diary of a Ghost Hunter, mm-hmm. which uh, the audio will be going up on Tuesday mornings at 9am. And by the time you listen to this, it will be out as the video of Diary of a Ghost Hunter as well. Mm-hmm. So Auntie Anne is going to attempt a little bit more technology, a little bit more editing, trying to... Uh, Expand my horizons. It's terrifying. Very good. Very <laughs> Thank good. you. So if it's not there, don't yell at me. I'm going to do my best. But um, I, I've got, it's got to be actually out in 24 hours. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, um, we are from, I guess, this point on putting on our travel hats mm-hmm. and looking for good deals, haunted places to visit, tours to take part in, and generally um, lots of good times that yeah. we can shove into this mini tour away we are we are actually going to a friend's wedding that was the whole purpose of Mm -hmm. going away other than yep let's travel um but yes going to a friend's wedding then we're going over to ireland to visit our beautiful irish correspondent danielle and uh then we are well we've hopefully got two private castles there to yes investigate as well yeah Mm. yeah after that, we're coming. Home. Well, we're doing. Our, oh, we're going to oh, Amsterdam. Oh, how could I forget? Bit. We're going to Amsterdam. <laughs> we, we are going to the terror of Amsterdam is <laughs> just making me block everything I know. out. <laughs> we, are, we are going to attempt to attend a live sex show, which is just mortifying. We've been raised as strict Catholics, and none of that shenanigans. And the thought of it is is terrifying but Isaac and Claire went and saw one when they were over the Isaac Butterfield and um, they said it's hilarious it's not it, I mean it's still very graphic but it's it's hilarious and we thought we, we've got to go so we can tell people in our own style what happened mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm just going to be embarrassed buying a ticket to go in you and me together the two little old grannies <laughs> Oh, I can think what they can think, what oh, they want to think. We're I'm only sure, there for a split second. I'm sure they've seen worse in Amsterdam. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but we might be meeting up with some of our listeners over there as well. Yes. So uh, if you're in any of those countries and um, you want, if you're going to be in the area where we are, um, give us a shout out. Uh, let us know through our Facebook uh, messages or email anne, A-N-N-E, at com, And... Um, 
If we can, we'll we'll catch up for a coffee or something. Absolutely. We did so last time we, we were We did over with there. a couple of people. It was yeah. fabulous. It was really, really fun. We're low maintenance. Yeah, we are. Now this story was oh, something. Oh, did yes. we tell people that the New Orleans tour sold out? Because I think yes, last we time, have. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't yep. sure if we had done it. We had. Yep. Okay, I'll shut up. Yep. <laughs> this particular story was a fascinating one to find, and yeah. I thought it'd be something very, very different to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are going to be discussing something very very unusual and uh, I am taking one part and you are taking the other very interesting part of this story. Now for once you don't have to do the dry history. Mm. Everyone loves your history. You do a fabulous job (laughs) of the history Renata. I'm just going to say. Oh thank you. Let's get on with the story. Okay. Ramsey was standing outside his van, Sergeant Fisher recalls. I told him he'd obviously been drinking and needed to come inside. He clearly didn't want to come with me, and we had a bit of a struggle. He got more and more ferocious, and it became apparent that he was no longer trying to get away from me. He was trying to attack me. I didn't have a weapon on me, so I couldn't defend myself. We just kept fighting, and as I weakened, he appeared to be getting stronger. This was really quite eerie. I became alarmed for my own safety, and I'll make no bones about it. I need him in the groin for my own protection, and I really use some force behind it. But he shrugged it off and became stronger. He got me around the throat, cutting off my air supply. I was very conscious of the fact that he had these mad, staring eyes and this maniacal expression. I remember lying there on my back in a puddle covered in blood, my shirt torn, and this character was on top of me. He was saying, the devil is in me. When the devil is in me, I am strong. I am strong and you are going to die. He said this over and over again in the most menacing, horrible way. It was enough to chill your bones. Wow. Short and sweet. Mm. I I didn't want to do too much Mm -hmm. because it will be cutting into... Your part mm-hmm. of the story, and I would never do that to you. Oh, never. No, not like, <laughs> not like you, I did like, to you. No, in other episodes <laughs> where you've gone, well, that's the whole story there, so we'll just walk away. Uh, so this is a story about uh, a gentleman, Bill Ramsey or William Ramsey, who uh, was born in the 1940s uh, in a small seaside town in Essex. It was called South End. Oh, I do like to be beside the seaside. And the whole story uh, of him, it like there are only these episodic circumstances, these, these little episodes in what otherwise is a pretty plain life. Yeah. Yeah, nothing really. It's sort of, nothing I kind of tried to look at maybe there was some mother or father issues there. Nothing's kind of said about that. 
Um, maybe you found something. <laughs> but generally, when the story is shown, mm-hmm. uh, no one talks about that part of mm-hmm. um, his life. I really wanted to find something, so I'm interested to find out where you found that. But, I don't know if I can remember. <laughs> um, so let's go back to the beginning. Um in 1952, William or Bill Ramsey is about nine years old. He's just a little kid playing, um, staying out of his parents' way as kids did in the 1950s. Go outside and play and I don't want to see you until it's time for your tea. And he was outside in the garden and playing on his own. Now, in most cases, he did play on his own. That's a bit of a red flag. Mm. Um, oh, is it? Yeah. I used to play on my own all the time. Yeah, you used to pretend you were a horse as well. I did. <laughs> I was a horse. And I was also Kimber the White Lion. Oh, okay. I had a, at least two different other personalities. <laughs> well, you and Bill and Bill shared that in common. I used to bite people too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was like, a werewolf. Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> So he used to use his imagination in a pretty good way and used to play for hours um, in make-up fantasies. Yeah, he used to tell himself stories and used to be this and that and whatever and nothing particularly strange. But that's a normal part of yeah. children, yep. isn't it? Do they, yeah, absolutely. They, they create fantasies yep. and yeah, yep. live them out. Yep. Uh, other well, maybe than that, not live them out, as, but you know. As I found, there was nothing really weird about Billy. Um, he did spend most of his days outside and then he'd come in at night for tea and watch movies with his dad on the couch. But one day something odd happened. Something had to happen because there would be no story otherwise. So he was out in the backyard as he normally uh, would have been and after about an hour of playing outside on the grass as usual, he kind of started to feel really strange. So he sort of felt this cold air, this coldness wash over him. Uh, He says it was like icy cold because this is something that he felt every single time these things came upon him. First of all, it was this coldness and then it was a a smell, a smell that was really weird and would hang around. Um, On this particular evening, uh, it was still very, very warm and uh, it, it kind of just really scared him. Now, he started to shake uncontrollably. These smells would come around and he would have this weird, weird odour hanging around him. And he, he kind of, he was interviewed later on and in his own words, he could describe some of the things that he was feeling. And this is exactly what he says here about what he was feeling that day. He says, have you ever walked into a meat locker right after you've been outside on a hot day? No, actually, I haven't. But anyway, no, that's not, not something I'd normally do. No, no. But let's let's go on. That's what this was like. I was playing, and my body temperature was normal. And then, well, I'd say it felt as if my body temperature dropped a good twenty degrees. Sweat froze on me and my whole body started shaking. It was as if I'd opened the door and stepped into another dimension or something. And there was this odour, very foul. A few years earlier, a sewer in our street had backed up. I'd never smelled anything as bad as the gases that escaped. And that, I have. And that's, it was on the cruise ship after <laughs> eating cruise ship food, <laughs> let me tell you. Oh. And that's what this smell was like. That day, I was afraid I was going to vomit. 
Now, this was not the first time he smelt and you know, felt like this. He felt something had changed around him or within him. He didn't want to play uh, games anymore. He ran inside absolutely terrified. His mother calmed him down um, and watched him and he came back into himself, as it were, became himself again. And, uh, of course, you know, what you do was as a parent, you kind of go, let's forget that it ever happened and we won't worry about it. Mm. You might have thought it was make-believe. Could have, could have. Now, the thing that happened, though, was that it changed him at this point in time. He really didn't want to play those sorts of games anymore. He didn't like to spend time outside. Probably he had a bit of trauma from this and maybe he thought that if he did go outside he'd encounter whatever it was again and so he didn't want to he became really tense he kind of went back into his shell he was always on edge Um, but his senses are also very keenly attuned to his surroundings so he noticed every bit of change you know, temperature, light, um, he uh, would startle with noises, all of this sort of stuff. And he said that images of wolves started to dance through his head. He would have an irrational urge to run off down the road on all fours towards the sea. They must have lived close to the sea. And at some point, his mum would call out to him, and try and break this trance and settle him down. So this kind of happened. Be terrifying for a parent. Yeah, it, it happened quite a few times. Now he, in this particular first incident, he went into a rage, into a fit, and he felt as though his whole body was um, being filled with some sort of an electrical charge current and he growled and lurched forward and before he even knew what he was doing so he'd run outside by this time um, with all of this uh, excess energy in his body he'd gone and he actually tore a fence post out of the ground and started to wave it around his head very threateningly now I I guess his mum would have just gone into some sort of an absolute meltdown what in the hell's going on with my child and that fence post apparently was like cemented into the ground and um, they, they I remember they mentioned something about that even his father wouldn't have been able to pull that out of the ground. Mm, mm. Now, how they dragged him back into the house, I don't know, but they did. And literally they sat him down and they waited for him to settle down. Yep. Mm. Um, but they felt that whatever they had just witnessed was not their son, that it was some someone else. Now, this kind of went on and... On occasion, things would happen. Like I said, there were many, many weeks and months and times when nothing would go on. I did read in a few articles that he used to play a bit of a prank on people. And I say a bit of a prank on people. He used to really scare the living bejesus out of them. Really? By saying that um, he would eat dead animals Oh. And that he would prowl around at night 
and uh, do you want to be my friend? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to come play? Do come play with in me? In the forest? Mm. So the family went on to live a fairly peaceful life after sort of all of this started to happen. Um, Bill had a, a normal life. He went out with his mates to the pub, all of this sort of stuff. He got married. He had three children. He became a respectable family man. Nothing happened very much until he got married. Until he got married and he started to develop vivid nightmares and sometimes he would wake up from dreams panting or growling like an animal and uh, this of course would have been very disconcerting to his wife and to the kiddies. Yes, somewhat, Mm. unless it was Saturday night special. Mm. So these dreams and these episodes eventually stopped around 1967 And it seemed as though whatever was possessing or around Bill disappeared for a while. I know where it went. She was free of whatever the issues were. I can't wait to hear your bit. No, 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 no. no. It came to Australia. And that was about, it was around about probably 68, 69 that I got thrown out of preschool for biting and growling. (laughs) Ah. Oh, the Warrens could have come and, and looked after me. I oh, know. missed an opportunity there. Oh. Now, just a few years later in the 1980s, there was another series of events and this was kind of the start of his downfall. So it was early 1983. Bill started to have some more episodes. He was out drinking with a group of friends and again he claimed this rush of icy cold, this sweat, this kind of smell around him. He noticed this was coming on and so he went into the bathroom. He thought he was going to throw up, be sick. When he looked up into the mirror, he didn't see his face. He saw the face of a wolf staring back. Wow. And this absolutely just freaked him out. This scared him half to death. And he actually asked one of his friends to take him home. Let's, let's go home. I can't be here. I'm, I'm not feeling well. So he jumps in the car with this guy. <laughs> right, as you do. <laughs> and they're riding along. And he just seems to get angrier and angrier and angrier and he can't stop himself. He starts to snarl, he starts to roar, he starts to rage and he tries to bite his friend's leg. Oh, God. Now, the driver does get to pull over and struggles to keep Bill off him and... After a few minutes, Bill comes to his senses and, of course, he says, what? What are you talking about? What? Why are we here? It was like, can't remember a thing. Absolutely cannot remember a thing. So he blacks out, um, his mind shuts down. During these episodes. Yeah. Okay. And he cannot remember anything about about it. I can't wait to hear what Danielle has to say about this. Danny V, our... um, our nurse lady friend oh, yes. who um, likes to tell us the possibilities of what this might be. Mm-hmm. I've got, I'm developing a few ideas here because I'm hearing a few things I haven't heard before, so I'm making notes. Mm-hmm. So Christmas 1983, Bill has really sharp chest pains and he thinks that he might be having um, a, a stroke or a heart attack. He's never had these chest pains before. But then again, he gets overwhelmed by a cold sweat that sort of just goes all the way through his body. And he immediately thinks, I am having a heart attack. Doesn't even enter his brain about, you know, the circumstances before. 
that have happened. He calls the ambulance and gets put into the ambulance and gets taken to emergency. I think that's wise. I think it's the best thing to do. While he's in the ambulance, things start going a bit wrong and they stick him in an examination room. Now, a male nurse leans over him to try and examine him and Bill just goes into this guttural growl and roar and leaps towards him with bared teeth. He bites him on the arm. He throws him around, throws furniture around, goes from corner to corner like some crazed, caged animal. And, of course, this nurse, who is already wounded, yells and screams and the police arrive. Now, the police arrive. There's hospital staff. They try to restrain him. This guy is going nuts. They've they've got him on a gurney. They're holding him down. Four of them holding him down. He's snapping his teeth. They actually stick tranquilizer in him to try and tranquilize him. Oh, I don't blame him. I think that's that you'd have to. And he gets taken to a mental hospital called Runwell. I'm one of the the reports I read said that the first lot of tranquilizer did nothing. Yeah, it did nothing mm-hmm. to slow him down. Mm-hmm. Now, when the drugs wear off, Bill, of course, says, I've, I have no I idea. I don't remember. I don't know what I'm doing here. What, what did I do? No, did put a few people in hospital. Uh, you've ruined an emergency room. Yep. You've busted up all the equipment. And he says, I don't know. And, of course, the psychiatrist looks over him and he's perfectly fine. She's she's this genteel, well-spoken, demure, demure gentleman, and so they they can't hold him. He they they want to do tests, but he says no, no, there's nothing wrong with me, and he um, leaves the hospital. Now, in January 1984, Bill has another episode. Ends up in the same emergency room again. He attacks the nurse that tries to help him there and almost chokes the man to death. Oh, no. Policemen come from everywhere. Um, They jump on him. They try and restrain him. He is, it's like every time this happens, he gets gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Again, he leaves. By this stage, though, news is getting out. Ooh. And the newspapers start to find out that there's this crazy fella around. Someone who thinks that they're an animal of some form mm. or other. Now, on the evening of July 22nd, 1987, so same year, so this is now happening in quick succession, uh, Bill goes out to have a drink at the White Horse Inn. Um, he's been working solidly. So in, in amongst all of this, he's just leading a normal life. He meets up with some friends. They have a chat, have a drink. Um, and then Bill leaves the bar fairly drunk. He gets in his car. Naughty boy. Naughty boy and goes for a drive. Now, he thinks that he's going to be pulled over be, by a policeman because he's drunk. Um, and so he kind of takes a different route home or route home to miss I think the, main the first one is probably more appropriate for the route he took. Mm-hmm. And um, at some point he comes across a, a woman walking down the road. With a handbag. She's a local local lady of the night. Lady of the night, thank mm-hmm. you. That's why I said the first and description was he, correct. He gets into his head that he's going to arrest her. 
for um, soliciting. Yeah, she's a naughty girl. She yeah. shouldn't be doing that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. He's going to fix it. He's going to fix it. Um, so he, um, you know, step pull, into pulls my car, over. lady. Yes, yeah, step into my car, please. And, and she kind of thinks, oh, okay, I've got a um, client. I've scored a trick. Yeah, I've got a client. Uh, and they take off. But as they take off, he gets more aggressive. He starts to say weird things. He starts to move in a weird, weird way. And she kind of thinks, this nah, this is not a client. <laughs> nope. Oops, bad nope. choice of career. No, this was bad. This was bad. And so the moment she can, she jumps out of the car and runs to the closest police station. And that would be something for a lady of the night to be running to a police station. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't want to be going there. Yep. And so the whole rigmarole of him turning up at the police station and, you know, having an argument there and, and going wild and breaking furniture and attacking policemen and all of this happens again. And so, of course, they take him yet again to the mental asylum. This time they run tests on him. This time he says, there's, there's definitely something wrong with me. There is definitely something wrong with me. They take x-rays, they take MRIs, they do psychiatric tests. And guess what they find? Oh, a wolf in his head? They find nothing. Nothing. This is in the 80s, isn't it? Nothing physically or mentally wrong. They Mm. keep him for 10 days. This is near the end of the 1900s. 1987. So, 1990s. That makes me feel really old when you say that. Mm. I suppose I'm getting old. So, after 10 days, he becomes his normal self again. And again, he leaves the mental institution. They can't keep him. They can't find anything. Mm. What's the point of staying there? And I I remember them saying something like, he he said, I'm in there with um, people who are urinating in corners and Mm. uh, licking walls and um, wiping their own feces all over themselves. I I wasn't one of those people. When he's not in that state, Mm. he's very normal. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Now, He's, um, like I said, this starts to become called the Southern Werewolf. It starts getting in all of the newspapers, all of this sort of stuff. Oh, they do love is, a good yep, story. Starts blowing up in England. They love their ghost stories. They do. And uh, he starts to feel that he has these episodes more and more and he gets more and more violent. So, you know, his wife and his children are at risk, all of this sort of stuff. In the meantime, ding dong. Ed and Lorraine Warren hear about the story and they think to themselves, hmm, hmm, we know what's going on. We know what's going on. I wish you could see Renata's movements there. She's stroking her fingers down the Mm. side of her face going, hmm. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yes, we could. Let's, let's give him a call. Let's see what we can do here. Now, I'm not going to go into that, yeah, um, other than saying this is where Ed and Lorraine Warren step in, yeah. Um, I just want to end up saying, because we, we really don't know what happens after Ed and Lorraine Warren, or from what I have read, there is no continuing story after the exorcism that they do. Now, you're giving away all my story no, here. No, no, no. It's, look, that's well known. It's well known that yeah, he did. So I'm I want all the gory details. You. I want the gory details of what happened. But um, to just to finish it all off, he did, in 1992, Bill Ramsey was, um, do, you, do you say this bit about him going on TV and, and having a, um interview on TV? No. Okay, he has an, a TV interview. It's actually on YouTube. You can go and watch it. Um, um, and uh, that's in 1992. Is that sightings? Yes. Yes. I. I yep. Yeah, that's. I've actually used the book for um, a lot of my information. Mm-hmm. And um, then it seems to all just hush and quieten down. Mm. Now they're actually using his story for Conjuring Three. Oh no! So the next Ed and Lorraine Warren episode, oh. The Conjuring. Is allegedly going to be based on this. Great. Heaven help us all. But we are going to go and see that movie and we are going to report back what we think. I think we're going to do a review. We are going to desperately do a review. Mm. So would it be my turn? It is now your turn. Okay, so that little soundscape that I read at the very beginning was uh, a report from the officer that was attacked by Bill Ramsey when the sex worker had taken him to or had jumped out and raced to the police station and Bill had had said to them, you know, lock me up. You need to lock me up because I'm going to kill someone. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. So he all of a sudden started attacking people. Um, but after 
that attack, which was at that stage the worst um, thing he had done, he actually felt like he had lost all hope because he had gone to the, the hospitals, he'd gone to the doctors, he'd had the tests, nobody could help him. Nobody could tell him what was wrong with him. Mm-hmm. And he was terrified he was going to kill his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually said uh, he lost all hope. I felt like committing suicide. Then a phone call came from the police station saying two Americans wanted to see me. Psychiatrists. Oh, right. I thought American technology is sometimes better than ours. We send kids over there for special operations. Maybe their mental health care is better than ours too. So I agreed to meet these people and it turned out they weren't psychiatrists at all. It was Ed and Lorraine Warren. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's probably heard parapsychologist and not really understood the para part, or was that term even coined then? Yeah, maybe even the policeman that took the phone call may have heard parapsychologist didn't understand that word and just said psychiatrist. Yeah. So uh, apparently, as you said, they had seen the uh, tabloid papers. Yes. uh, And... um, Lorraine had seen a man who was desperate and whom she was compelled and felt she had to help him. And they'd never encountered a werewolf before, so it's going to make a really good new book for them. Oh, was that your oh, outside voice? Sorry, did I say that out loud? It did. Oh, dear. Look, I'm going to have to admit, I'm probably going to tell this story with some bias. <laughs> now, hold off on the bias, Anne. Try and try and read it in a neutral voice. Okay, I've I've actually got lots of quotes from people here that I'm, I'm very happy to read. Lorraine said, "I was driven." Even Ed would say, "Why are you do? Why are you pursuing this?" I felt that we had to prove either it was a hoax or that it was a reality, and we had to help Bill Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Now they described their first impression of Bill, and they said, "I've interviewed thousands of people, and I knew this man was telling the truth. He was such a nice person. We had to help this man. We had to find somebody who could relieve him of the terrible thing that was happening to him." Now the Warrens believe that because science and doctors had not been able to help him, it obviously meant that there was some sort of uh, spiritual warfare mm-hmm. happening there and that he was actually possessed mm-hmm. by the spirit of a wolf. Mm-hmm. Now, I read in some of the stuff that I was reading that when they arrived to talk to him, they didn't believe him at all. They thought yeah, it was I've a got hoax. All of that. I've got all that. Oh, oh, it's coming. It's coming. Oh, sorry. Oh, 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 it's coming. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, th- this is, I think this was um, Ed that said, this possession is a state where a person's physical body is totally taken over by something supernatural, something preternatural. Uh, the spirit of that person moves away from the physical body and that body is taken over, just like you would jump in a car and drive it where you want. A werewolf is a person who is possessed by the wolf spirit. Now, that's that's not necessarily what the definition of a werewolf is. But anyway, mm-hmm. we shall keep going. Uh, and this is what happened to Bill. This thing took over his whole physical body. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. A wolf isn't a person that all of a sudden starts 
uh, their hairs growing out of them. Instead, they take on the features of an animal. In the wolf state, Bill's hands would claw in an unnatural way. So uh, what they're talking about there is that his hands would actually like spasm mm-hmm. and, and fold over to take... Like a, a child would mm-hmm. um, go, I'm going to claw you. Uh, mm-hmm. So it wasn't that he grew his fingernails or his bone structure changed in any way. Uh, anybody could do that, but not the way Bill did it. His teeth would actually protrude. The lips would roll up and the face and the forehead would take on the characteristics of a wolf. Actually, the police officers that we talked to all said he was a wolf, not a man. Mm. So, in a rage state, mm-hmm. you, I've seen people their faces go red, mm-hmm. and they they like their eyes start to protrude, mm-hmm. and they get because their blood pressure is going through the roof. Yeah, um, they do look different mm-hmm. when they're in a rage. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't think that's actually anything other than rage. But anyway, at first, Bill didn't actually like the Warrens at all. He was really sceptical about what their motives were. Oh. Um, he thought they were sort of eccentric and that they were taking this whole thing just one step too far. So it was Bill that didn't like the Warrens. Bill it, didn't like the Warrens. So the Warrens believed Bill right from the word go. Of course they did. Oh, okay. I, I thought they didn't no, believe him. No, Bill didn't like them. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so... You know, they'd they'd come all the way from the USA. So being British and all of that, he was very polite to them and heard them out. Mm -hmm. And then the Warrens suggested that Bill should go to the United States with them to get an exorcism. At that stage, he thought they were nuts. Why couldn't they have done it there? Why did he have to travel? I know, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because you do everything better. When you're the Warrens in America and okay. you can get your TV crew there. Oh, sorry. Was that my outside voice oh, again? Oh, Anne. No. Oh, dear. Um, so. Did he actually go to America? Well. Did he? This is the thing. They offered to pay for both him and Nina to go to Connecticut. Nina is his wife? Is his wife. And meet Bishop Richard McKenna. Ah, yes, Bishop McKenna. Now, I've heard that name. He was the third cog in the wheel. Yep. Um, So, basically, it came down to that um, they were being offered a free trip to America. So, it was Nina that convinced him to go. He didn't want to go. Uh, He actually said, I have no faith at all in their exorcism. I thought there were a couple of crackpots. I really wanted to find a cure, but I honestly didn't think this was going to be it. So he did it for his wife. He did it for his I wife. I mean, what would be going through your head if you were in the aeroplane and you had an episode? I cover that too. Oh, no. <laughs> See, now I haven't, I yeah. specifically didn't read any of this yeah. because I wanted this to just come fresh. Yep. So that and I, I, I stopped I myself could, yeah. from discussing stuff with you. I was, do, I was so keen to talk yeah. to you about stuff, but that was the first thing that entered my mind. Yeah. Is if he had an episode in that side, that plane. Oh, my. Oh, God. You can't. That, 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 <laughs> that would just be. Oh, I can't even imagine. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yep. And, and this is the quote now from Nina. She said, 
Uh, oh, sorry, it's Bill saying what Nina said. Uh, she said we had to give it a try. I've been through all the other other avenues with no results. So what else did I have to lose? If it doesn't work, at least we'll see America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being honest about it. Yep. Now, they were actually frightened themselves about what might happen on the plane if he had an episode, but they went anyway. Mm-hmm. They actually got to Connecticut with no incident. So I... I don't know. Um, would they have taken... Did they give him some Valium or something like that? They had to have taken Maybe. some precautions. Maybe. Maybe he did have some sort of a sleeping tablet or something. I couldn't find anything that, that said what happened on the plane to mm-hmm. get him there. And it's, what, a seven and a half hour flight, um, eight hour flight from London to mm-hmm. America. I think it's on the East Coast. It's, it's not as far as coming from Australia, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, when they got to Connecticut, they, uh, they checked into the motel that night, but they said in the book the night before the exorcism, but I, then I read another thing that said uh, uh, during their stay at the motel, it wasn't necessarily the night before the exorcism, mm-hmm. he attacked Nina. Oh, yes. He had his hands around her throat to the point that she was about to black out. He believed it was his love for her that pulled him out of the attack before he killed her. Wow. Mm. Bet and you she regretted the whole, <laughs> let's come to America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, now we have the uh, exorcism. Mm-hmm. So he goes to meet Bishop McKenna. Now, you know one thing that's not mentioned here at all, which just struck me, they don't talk about the moon at all. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that later oh, on okay. too. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. There just... is no reference to Bill and the moon. Yes, because, you know, it's normally the full moon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, the exorcism itself. So I, I'm, I'm going to explain to you the exorcism and the outcome and all that sort of stuff, but then I'm going to go into some more notes mm-hmm. and my thoughts mm-hmm. about all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, wanted, I wanted to present the story and then sort of discuss it. Mm-hmm. Now... They had six bodyguards present with stun guns to protect the bishop. Oh, the bishop. Right. So where was the young priest and the old priest that you're supposed to have for an exorcism? Mm-hmm. Um, they sat down in the front pew, uh, which was in... Uh, the, this is the Warrens. Uh, they sat down in the front pew, which was in front of the altar in an armchair that he was strapped... Sorry, hang on. So they sat in the pew. He was put into uh, an armchair in front of the altar and strapped into it. All right, so they went to a church. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. So I've seen photos of this armchair. It's just a chair. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, he was strapped down. Bishop McKenna then started the prayers and noticed that Bill didn't seem to be himself. His eyes glazed over. It was as if another person was taking over him. Here we go. Oh, he was bored. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bishop, as this is Bill reporting, the bishop came at me with the purple stole he wore around his neck. He put it on my face, and as he put it there, it was as if he'd hit me with a hammer. I don't remember what happened after that. Yeah. But I'm going to read from the book to mm. tell you what happened after that, because I, I thought I, I can't. Not say it. Can't read it. With the, yeah, I've got to say it. Um, all right. Lorraine Warren recalls, I was right behind Bill Ramsey with Nina. Suddenly the muscles in the back of his neck began to enlarge. The ears began to point and he howled. 
Then the hands clawed in such a manner that no human hand could claw like that. We were going to make the sign of the cross on his forehead and on his breast. Then he reacted violently and snapped his hand at me. Then he snarled like an animal, says um, the bishop. Lorraine explains he his lips rolled up, the teeth protruded, and he tried to bite the priest. But it was though an invisible barrier existed between him and Bishop McKenna. Where did you come from, Bishop McKenna? atoned what keeps you here be gone satan leave him alone and then according to the bishop the devil did leave him alone and he came to himself now bill said as i came out of the exorcism i felt like a new person i imagine it's the feeling a blind person would get if he suddenly he could see again or a deaf person suddenly began hearing again it was the feeling that i was cured it's nothing you can tell anybody. It wasn't physical, but it was something I knew. So one session. 40 minutes. Wow. How's that How? for a quick exorcism? Whoa. One... That's pretty amazing. Yes. Wow. I don't think he I think he got bored with it and thought, no, I'm over this. I've got to put on a show because they've flown me over to America. But um, they did have their um, the TV crew there. Yes, it was all filmed, apparently. It is filmed. Uh, and it was the, the production company that paid for his flights to come over. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Are we seeing a little pattern there? Because mm-hmm. um, obviously they wanted to get the story. Mm-hmm. Right, I've got a, a couple of more points here for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the exorcism, present was Bishop McKenna, the Warrens, Bill Ramsey, his wife, paranormal investigator Johnny Zaffis. I didn't know that. And staff from the tabloid magazine. Oh, wow. The People, it's called. Oh, and, uh, hold on. You yeah. have a whole lot of people with cameras recording this. Mm-hmm. That that shouldn't happen. Mm. So the people funded the trip. That's the name of the magazine. Mm-hmm. There were several off-duty policemen that was there as the bodyguards. Um, apparently when the... Uh, now, this is Mysterious Universe. I found this one from. Uh, when the exorcism began, Bill was reportedly, reportedly sceptical and unimpressed. And as the bishop rambled on in Latin, he felt nothing whatsoever. So it's interesting. We've we've I've read from the quotes from what the Warrens and the bishop have said. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're getting sort of the, the other side. The other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, he began to think the whole trip had been a waste of time, and later claimed that he felt as it was all mumbo jumbo. Yet, as McKenna began to press, he stole against Bill's forehead and demand that the demon identified itself. Things would take a sudden turn for the weird. His demeanour abruptly changed, began to snarl viciously, and his face contorted into a beastly visage, teeth bared, eyes wild, hands curled up into talons. He began to thrash about in rage. Uh, then they go on a bit about what Lorraine had said. Um, so, while the going on with the Latin commanding the demon to leave. It infuriated the demon and Bill lunged and swiped at the bishop uh, who ordered the nearby policeman to stand down while things played out. Mm -hmm. So they were there with their stun guns ready to taser him and he's gone, no, 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 stand back. Let him come for me. Hmm. 
Just as the frenzied, out-of-control Ramsay seemed close in for the kill and was about to seriously hurt the bishop, something odd happened. The man who had moments before been a whirlwind of snarling, spitting aggression suddenly fell to the floor in a heap, with one last roar rattling through him before he fell silent. Bill would later on say, say what happened to him. The poison that had been in my body drained from me completely. I was left without any strength at all. And when I turned to look at Nina, that small movement caused, caused me to black out. I gripped the chair as tightly as I could and let the demon continue to be pushed away by Bishop McKenna's Latin words. So he gave in mm-hmm. and allowed it to play out. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit intense, isn't it? But it's, 40 yeah. minutes. Yeah, wow. Now, um, we there there is not much. Well, I can't find anything about really what happens apart from he was cured and went home and lived a normal life. Yeah, lived happily ever after. Now, they said it was caught on film. I haven't seen it. Maybe it's going to be part of Conjuring Three. Maybe who knows? But there are actual medical conditions that. Uh, can resemble what this is. Um, this one, they said there are two medical conditions uh, that could help foster the b- belief in werewolves. One is a disease, a hormonal disorder known as Cushing syndrome, which can produce elongated hands and face together with rapid and copious growth of hair on the latter and accompanying acute emotional agitation. Uh, individuals afflicted with this disease either because of ostracism or because of the psychotic ramifications of their illness were in the past forced to live apart from society. Um, but I think that's something like the hair doesn't sprout. Yeah. It's it's something that happens over a over period time. of time. Yeah. So it's unlikely it was that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a psychiatric, psychiatric disorder known as lycanthropy. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the Greek for lycanthropus, <laughs> wolfman. Uh, this is the delusion that one has been transformed into a wolf, which ca- can cause sadistic and even cannibalistic or necrophilic behaviour. Mm-hmm. Another possibility is that he may have suffered a mental condition known as clinical lycanthropy, in which the victim truly believes they are shape-shifting. So the, the person themselves believe. Now, as a child, he used to, to imagine things, imagine things and, and maybe that was part of this disorder showing itself fairly early. Maybe it's when he's under stress that mm-hmm. this thing happens. I would love to have known what was happening in his life at the age of nine, mm-hmm. when this first episode happened. Exactly. And we have none of that information. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did find about his father was that he was a sergeant major in the army. Yeah. Now, we know that sergeant majors are the ones that have got to yell, be very tough. And that doesn't mean that he was that at home, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe he was. Maybe he was. Maybe there was some trauma at home. Mm -hmm. Maybe there was some trauma that happened to him as a child, which he's blacked out. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm making guesses here. Mm -hmm. Absolute guesses. Uh, Now, the moon is not a factor in cases of real werewolves, however, or in this lycanthropy thing. Um, That's just a 
mood madness, and that's just all. Oh, I'm going to find this in the um, uh, Skeptical Magazines, I think it was. Uh, so, that's the wrap. There was something else I wanted to add in here before we wrap it up. So, at all those points in his life, I I would like to know what was happening that he was maybe in crisis that mm-hmm. was triggering triggering stuff but there was a few things that you said that i started to write down and those who are of um a medical background might be able to put it all together now because you know we're we're 20 30 years on i'm sure there is um more things that now what was it the smells yep the shakes yep so uncontrolled Co- shaking the yep. cold yep Change your personality. Mm-hmm. Now, the the smells, the shakes, and the cold sounds like someone going into shock. Yeah. Not so much the smells, but the shakes and the cold. Yep. Um, smelling things that you don't normally smell is normally a sign of brain dysfunction, where it's it's nobody else can smell it, or is it a psychic ability? Yeah. It could be that. Now, he also said that his body temperature dropped. Yep. So this is a child that was telling us his his core body temperature dropped. Mm-hmm. Again, that sounds like someone going into shock. Mm-hmm. They developed a light and noise sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I can't even read that. Oh, said that the body felt like they were filled with an electrical current. Yep. Is this a form of epilepsy? Could be. Which would mean it would be sporadic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would make you go into what might seem distorted um, bodily um, catatonic, shapes. Catatonic, yeah. 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 So we're just, we're just discussing this out loud. We haven't actually yeah. found anything about this. Yeah. This is just I'm pro- trying to pull points together. Um, chest pains um, could be a panic attack mm-hmm. of some form or other. Mm-hmm. Um, Stress, but, anxiety. Yeah. Uh, there were other couple of bits of the story that I read somewhere where um, one of the attacks when he was an adult, um, he had been, uh, somebody had accused him of drinking and he was drunk and he his wife said, no, no, Bill doesn't drink. But there are several occurrences. Where he's gone into the pub and. And got drunk yeah. and he's dr- driven home on it. Yep. Which, that's a big red flag for me. If mm. you're in a. a um, a drunken state and then try to drive home, there is something wrong in the brain balance there to think that's okay to do, never mind to then try to make citizens arrest to yes. arrest prostitutes. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, there, there's a lot of weirdness going on there. Maybe not all the information came out to the right doctors at the right time for them to put the puzzle together. I'd be interested to hear from our listeners what do they think happened to Bill Ramsey? Mm. Do you think that it is a possession of a wolf spirit of a child from the age of nine manifesting itself on and off for no particular reason? Now, we've got to remember the time frame when he is this small to begin with. He's around nine years old in the 1950s, which is not a time where you would say the whole werewolf thing is 
huge, unless there was a movie around at that time, which there would have been some black and white movies where werewolves may have been. Oh, um, I remember seeing uh, some funny ones where they've got like fur glued to their face. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because my, my interest there is to work out did he think he was a werewolf because of something he read or did someone say to him that this was werewolf-like? And was the exorcism that he he thought, because if he was thinking this is all bullshit, sorry, um, and uh, then he suddenly snapped after listening to the ramblings that were going on and on and on, did he just quickly throw on a show to make it finish quickly? Because... Mm. It was 40-minute exorcism, but there was a lot of that where it wasn't anything happening. Mm-hmm. He was just bored with it. Mm-hmm. And he's probably thought, I'm not going to get out of here until I actually do something. Do something. Uh, or was it that he was then put into that pressured state uh-huh. of anxiety and stress and fear that um, it... What was it when they called it the other personality? Mm-hmm. Is there multiple personality? What they call it dissociative disorder? Yeah, yeah. Um, that could have triggered that to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a protective thing that his brain did to protect him in times of stress. Mm-hmm. But I would like to read um, this from Mysterious Universe and a big shout out to the to the universe, Mysterious Universe team. They do a fabulous job. Make sure you check out their podcast. Um, was this man haunted by deep psychological issues, teetering on the brink of madness? Can all of this be explainable through rational symptoms of the human psyche? Or was there something more going on here? Could this have been an actual demonic possession by some form of spirit invading his body in and our realm? All we know for sure is that those who witness the events claim it is all true, and the victims of Bill's attacks, including law enforcement officials, remain under, remain rather baffled about the whole thing, considering that Bill Ramsey has had no further episodes and has since 1992 sort of dropped off the map. This is a, just about all we may ever know. The strange case of Bill Ramsey remains one of the most bizarre and perplexing cases of possession there is, managing to somehow marry the seemingly disparate phenomena of werewolves and demons together in one very weird concoction of the strange indeed. I think that summarises it Mm. beautifully. Mm -hmm. Um, Now... Where do we go from here? The, the, the Warrens got a book deal out of it. They did. And uh, posthumously, they've got a movie deal out of it. Yes. So yep. the estate, um, the Renata's got a computer on. Yep. <laughs> well, what we'll do is we'll put up um, on the True Hauntings podcast um, fans page. Yes, we'll on put Facebook. A, a link up to that interview. Mm-hmm. With Bill Ramsey. And I, I've also got some photos of him in his wolf-like state. Uh-huh. And uh, also a link to um, the book. Yes. So you can get yourself prepared for Conjuring 3 if that's what they're going to do. It will be very, very interesting to see what they make out of this. Yeah. There's so much of this story that isn't being said that it's like it it literally forces you to try and think of, well, what, what happened? Uh, is this man lurking around somewhere waiting to yeah. explode again? Or... Right back in the beginning, he loved pranks. He loved pranks. Mm-hmm. Has this just gone too far? And he's wondered, just wanted to see. Oh, that's the other thing I was going to mention. Oh, I was going to finish off the podcast without these little juicy bits. Do you know that there were other human werewolves? 
Albert Fish. Yes. Notorious child rapist, murderer and cannibal, mm-hmm. sometimes nicknamed the were- werewolf of Wisteria. Mm-hmm. Mikhail Popkov, a Russian serial rapist and murder called the werewolf, murderer, sorry. Vasily Komarov, another Russian serial killer known as the wolf of Moscow. Manuel Blanco Romasanta, Spanish serial murder, also called the werewolf of Alaris. German pedophile and cannibalistic murderer Fritz Harman, the wolfman of Hanover. And Michael Lupo, a sadomasochist, coprophile and murderer who called himself Wolfman. Oh, joyous human beings, aren't they? So maybe he was just able to hold himself off from tipping that far over. Yeah, maybe. Um, He had a wife. He had children. He He did try kill her once. Yes, but he had a loving, supporting network maybe around him which was able to stop him Mm -hmm. going too far. Mm Mm-hmm. But where is he now? Where is he now? What is he doing? Mm. Is he still alive? Well, he was, yeah, 1950s. He could still be. He could still be alive. Yeah. Is he making some money on the movie deal? Who knows? Who knows? Would they have even asked him? They would have had to. Oh, unless he'd signed stuff away, um, giving them permission, uh, that original filming of the whole thing for that uh, The People magazine. So many unanswered questions. Oh, dear. Wow. Well, this leaves us in a very big conundrum, people, because we have come to the end of this True Hauntings podcast. And, I mean, do you think this is a true haunting or not? We're going to leave this up to you because... Mm. There is something definitely going on. Yeah. But whether it's spiritual or um, something to do with the psych, Mm -hmm. I don't really know. Mm. But very interesting. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the True Hauntings podcast. Please consider becoming a Patreon member. Anne and Renata, just look us up on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. For a measly $10 a month, you can support our work and keep us going doing this full time. Thank you for being there. Thank you for supporting us. Share the podcast around. Join all our communities. See you on the dark side. Keep it spooky and be frightfully good. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 